Hey everyone, it's Caleb, and I'm so grateful that you've decided to spend part of your day here with me on the Learner's Corner podcast. And today, I am joined by Erin Eddy. If you're not familiar with her, you're going to become familiar with her on this episode. But before that, uh, I just want to give a couple of quick shout outs. Uh, And if this happens to be your first time listening to the Learner's Corner podcast, I want to tell you a little bit about what we do here on the podcast. First, I just want to say thanks to Garrett Oler, who does the editing for this podcast, and for Sam Massey, who creates the music for this podcast as well. And if this happens to be your first time listening to The Learner's Corner, you know, here we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations because if you're like me, you know that you can't have a conversation with just anybody about anything because, you know, maybe you're afraid of the reaction or... Um, the response that you'll get from that person because it, it's either filled with anger or maybe judgmentalism or whatever whatever the emotion is it or it just evokes it just evokes a ton of emotion in the other person. And here in the learners quarter, we want to have those conversations, be able to talk with people who are who are willing to talk about literally anything and everything. That is kind of the purpose behind this podcast is we are a podcast for lifelong learners who learn from anything and everything and from anyone and everyone. And the person that we're going to be learning from today is Aaron Eddy. And Aaron is a social entrepreneur, a writer, a speaker, and a creative director. She is the founder of the lifestyle clothing branding, a brand so worth loving. And she speaks and writes about personal struggles, community, empathy, entrepreneurship, the power of honest conversations, and the impact of self-doubt. And she recently authored the book off of the, the brand, the clothing brand that she created called So Worth Loving. And we're going to get into part of her story today. We're going to talk about um, self-worth and learning how to love yourself better. And also, uh, I asked her for a couple of tips and advice of how she's created a, a great brand as well. And so really looking forward to jumping into that conversation. And I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Here's our conversation. Aaron, I am so excited for you to be on the Learner's Corner podcast today to talk about not only your brand new book, which has come out so worth loving, but even your company as well, so worth loving. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm yeah. so excited to be here. Yeah. And just as we're getting started, anytime, uh, anytime that I'm talking with somebody who has created something, whether that be a book or an organization or a piece of art, I love hearing the story behind what what made you want to create this. And I know it's a long story, and a lot of it is in the book, but if you could just tell maybe the five-minute version of what made you get into this work of So Worth Loving. Yeah. Um, I like that you told me to keep it short because it would to be the whole podcast and then part three. Well, I mean, it's it's over 10 years. It's like 10 years worth of story, it and that's is. a lot. It is. Worth, yeah, you're so right. Yeah. I've owned So Worth Loving for 10 years, and I, uh, I was, you know, in high school, I didn't really know what it was that I wanted to do. Some people in high school and college, they know exactly what they want to do and they go for it. And I had no idea. I was really, I struggled with academics. I was not great 
with testing. Um, I repeated fifth grade. So, I mean, I just, school was not on my radar. So if anything, I thought, well, whatever I do, it's not going to involve going to more school. Like that's <laughs> what I thought. So I, um, I didn't go to college. I pursued going to work for this nonprofit ministry that develops leaders and curriculum for leadership in churches and uh, people that serve in ministry. And I, I basically begged them for a job. And at the time, you know, I came from an entrepreneurial background. So my parents manufactured furniture for a little over 40 years. So I, I grew up like observing starting something and working hard and being creative with something. Um, But at the time, I didn't know that I would be starting something. So I pursued this ministry, worked there for four years, loved it. And um, I loved working with the people there. And the only reason I left was because I started Sober Loving. So when I was working there, the founder asked me, he's like, sky's the limit, Aaron. What do you want to do with your life? And I really couldn't answer that question because I'd never really been asked to dream. I just always had been reactionary, which I'm sure anybody listening, I'm sure you've been like, yep, I'm, you just kind of say yes to the next thing instead of like plan the next thing. Mm -hmm. I was doing that. And so I was like, man, I mean, if I'm honest, I want to pursue music. So I decided to pursue music. I had a few EPs, a few music videos go viral. And then um, my music was being licensed to TV shows and commercials. I had a few contracts with like VH1 and MTV. And this was way before Instagram exist, like really existed. Mm-hmm. Like this was like, this is going to age me, but this was like, um, how old was I? I was 20, 22, 23 when I started pursuing music. I'm 34 now. So I, I, I just, I loved pursuing music. I wanted to figure out how to do it where I didn't have to tour. So Mm -hmm. social media was different than it is now. Like you could get in people's algorithms. Like this time, now they control it. But back then it was like people saw your stuff more. Like they saw your art. So as that started evolving, I wanted to create some sort of product that the people that support me and believe in me could identify with. And the phrase, so worth loving came to my mind and, um, like any entrepreneur, you uh, go and you make sure that all domains are available. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> and so I did. I went and made sure all the domains were available, got it, and then decided to, I put my home address on my music blogs, had no money to buy product. And I put my home address on there and I asked people to mail me their personal shirt. And I would spray paint that they're so worth loving and I would mail it back to them for free. And I did that for eight months and then saw a need and then decided, I'm, I love this. I want to pursue this full-time and figure out how I can make it sustainable. And that was 10, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you take me back to the moment where you decided on the terminology, like so worth loving and what led you to that? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a great brand and such a great saying as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it was one of those moments where, you know, have you ever come up with something and you're like, oh, that has to exist, surely, mm-hmm. you know, like you do your research and you're like, it doesn't. And that's like, that means it's a good idea. Um, that's what happened with So Worth Loving. I, at the time, there was no like, there were no inspirational t-shirt brands. The only inspirational t-shirt brand out there was Life is Good. And they mm-hmm. were, they I mean, they've been around for 20 something years, 25 years or something like that. Um, 
But at the time, like that was all that was out there. So when I was playing with ideas, I was playing with different types of inspirational words, um, like shine, like even like like some cheesy, like shine bright, uh, cheesy, but still sweet, has a sweet sentiment. Um, you're enough, you're valuable, you're beautiful. Like all these different phrases. I was just, I wanted to come up with something that wasn't about me, but that was a truth about who we are as people. And I wanted to per, like express that to the people that supported my music. And so when the phrase, so worth loving came to my mind, that's, I was like, worth loving. That has to exist even. And that didn't even exist at the time. So it was just so, I think it was divine. I think mm-hmm. it was a divine whisper of um, what was supposed to be. And and for me to find it and for me to pursue it or not. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that really stood out to me just as I was preparing for our conversation today is, uh, and I think this is on your website, and you even alluded to it well, is, you know, you started in music and then you went to retail. And then I think on your website, you say, and retail led me to community and community led me to storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I would just love to hear how has, or even back to um, your work with uh, your nonpro- the nonprofit that you were working for as the art director. Um, what did you learn in that that has continued to shape you and help you to where you are today? Oh, that's a great question. That nonprofit was basically my college for mm-hmm. creativity and leadership because I, like I said, like I grew up with entrepreneurs. My I'm a fifth generation entrepreneur. So my grandma, my grandpa, my great grandma, my I mean, we there's a long line of entrepreneurs in our family. Um so I definitely had that in my DNA, but when I was working at the nonprofit, they first entrusted me with data cards into spreadsheets, which nobody should ever trust me <laughs> with spreadsheets. But um, they trusted me with that. And so I did data cards into spreadsheets. I did cold calling my first year where I would randomly call people and have to become their friend and talk to them about why I'm passionate about what I'm doing, like what we do here at, at Orange. The or- organization is called Orange. Mm-hmm. What we do here at Orange. And and I had to connect with people over the phone that did not know who I was. And then I started doing their uh, events, like their um, conference events with their trade booths and stuff. And so I started being the person, the kind of the face when you come into the booth to talk to. So I learned how to talk to strangers and get to know them and connect with them. And then, and then as I was working my way up into the organization, before I left, I was the art director. So I helped with overseeing design, print work, branding for conferences, branding for like different types of events that we did or curriculum. I kind of just oversaw advert, like the design for advertising. And so by doing that, I actually learned how to uh, lead a team and lead lead creatives, which is a whole other world of leading creatives and and, and inspiring them to deliver something on time and it being unique in their own. Like I learned that at Orange. So all of the cold calling, like the things that are uncomfortable to, you know, being familiar with coming across a stranger in public, like meeting them to then leading everything. I did that all within So Worth Loving, right? Mm-hmm. Meeting strangers at pop-up shops, learning how to art direct what the design of everything should look like, learning how to do a little bit of the design, that, that all that kind of stuff. 
orange prepared me for so worth loving in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to you talked about the cold calling and connecting with people and learning to connect with people in a really fast and a meaningful way. What are some things that you learned about how to do that well? Because I think at some point we all have to like that's just a skill that's going to come in handy no matter what you're doing. What do you learn about that? <laughs> Oh, that rejection is real and not everyone's going to love you (laughs) and people are going to be skeptical of you. I mean, I'm, I was selling, essentially I was selling, but I even hate that term because it was about relationships, but, um, essentially sales is relationships and relationships and sales. But I, I'm 20 at the time I was 21 when I started there, I was 24 I was, yeah, I was 24 when, or 25 when I left. Um, but I, 21 selling curriculum to church leaders that have been in ministry for 20, 30, 40 years. So I already knew my disadvantages. And I think that's the thing, like Mm. cold calling shows you your disadvantages and then you learn how to overcome that disadvantage or make up for it in another way. And so for me, I had to think through why, okay, there's a disadvantage. I'm 21. How is a 55-year-old man going to connect with a 21-year-old that's calling him randomly? Mm -hmm. And I had to think through, well, I was a product of this ministry. Like I went to Mm -hmm. a church that believed and invested in what they do. So I am the product. So I had to think through like different angles and ways to communicate and connect with this church leader who was you know, didn't probably did not want to give me the time of day, but was just being kind. (laughs) Yeah. But I'll say cold calling the best gift because you do get a thick skin to persevere past people that are skeptical, cynical, um, pessimistic, you know, you're faced with all of that and you just learn to persevere past those things. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I want to ask you about is, just your thoughts on like just having such a strong brand as so worth loving. And I think for most of us who are listening, you know, either we're a part of an organization or we're, 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 we're the leader of the organization or something like that. And we do have a brand. We do have a message that we want to get out there. What have you learned through your experience of creating messages or even branding or marketing that really just resonates with people? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think it's really listening to your community though if you listen to your community you're going to see common trends you're going to like i love to study patterns in people um i like to study patterns in my own life see common denominators um you know connect the dots and so with your community you can do that you can kind of observe and look at you know what are the words and the terminologies that they're using hmm. that either they're struggling with something that inspires them um, something that's life-giving for them. And for me, that's what's what So Worth Loving did. It was like, I learned that the people that make up So Worth Loving were everyday people. They're our neighbors. And they're people that want to learn how to love themselves better so that they can learn to love others better. Mm-hmm. That's why our motto is love you, love people. And we started a nonprofit called Love You, Love People based off of that, wanting to provide resources and um, wanting to provide environments that are free for you to learn how to love yourself so you can love other people. But I just started studying people's behavior in the community. And then that's kind of what helped us shape what the culture was and shape what we stood for and our values and our mission. 
So I think it's studying patterns in people Mm -hmm. and your community. How did you go about like finding those patterns? Was it on Facebook groups or what, what did that look like for you? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. I think it was, well, we have a blog, so we have people share their stories of, you know, why they have felt unworthy of love and how they've overcome those thoughts and those feelings, or they're in the process of, and they want to share the, in, in the, in the middle state of their life. So our blog definitely was the culprit of that, but then also um, social media. I mean, we went to Instagram, we did polls and we would do polls and then we'd, we would, um, I actually had, uh, somebody, yeah, so well, I'll finish that thought social media. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, anytime we put up a post to see which one had the most response versus another one. Algorithms now change that where I don't feel like you can get the same accurate data as you could before they changed it five years ago. But um, those were some things that we did. But also I had um, somebody that, I had somebody that studies data come in and look at all of our stories and pick out common words. And so I had him just like, it was like a word map that he did. He created a word map. So he, and then like a spreadsheet of all of the most popular words used within our, um, within our blogs. And that was so well worth. I, it wasn't even that expensive. It was just, it was so well worth the energy to put into because it, I learned the common phrases, the common struggles, the common, by just doing like a word map. So you can also do that if you're a little weary of algorithm producing the appropriate uh, results. Yeah. Well, I think there's such power in it because you're speaking the language of the people that you're trying to reach yes. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I wanted to ask you about and kind of going back, and, or I guess it even could even be true in you know the last 10 years of So Worth Loving too, but talk me or take me back to like whenever you were first wrestling with the not only finding the purpose so worth loving, but even your purpose as well of like, what were some of the things along the way that helped you get clear on that? Or, and even some of the things that this did not, like this did not help at all. Like I thought this was going to work and it did not work at all. <laughs> I like that question. <laughs> That's so great. I remember um, when we first started, uh, we were, we only had a for-profit side and people would ask us all the time, well, where do the proceeds go to? And I'm like, for us to buy shirts, like, what do you mean? Where did the proceeds go to? It goes to being able to pay John who does our customer service. That's where our proceeds yeah. go to. And I used to get, people used to just be very, um, you know, you guys, like it's a mission. You need to be doing more with like your mission. And I'm like, I mean, what do you do? We pour into our community. The energy that it takes to develop community is so much energy and you have to have so much capacity to absorb and listen to every story that comes through. But for some reason, that just did not resonate with people, not all people, but just I'd get those like negative Nancys. So mm-hmm. I, I decided one time, the only time, to do a collaboration with a nonprofit. And the nonprofit, I truly believe in their work. I love what they do. Uh, but, but I thought, well, let's create a t-shirt collaboration. So we'll cross-collaborate with our messaging. And their, their organization's out of San Francisco. They uh, fight human trafficking. It made so much sense. Like if I was gonna do a nonprofit, 
this made sense because I was very weary of doing some sort of partnership collaboration for many reasons. One of the main reasons was that I didn't think financially it would be received well by our community. I thought, I'm just doing this to appease. I don't want to do it to just appease. I want to believe in the organization. Um, So I did believe in the organization and I also did it because to appease. So I did, I believed in the organization and I did it to appease. Mm-hmm. And I invested oh, thousands of dollars into apparel for this collaboration. And uh, like I think, I believe it at the time, my memory loses me a little bit, but I believe like 20% or 30% of our sales were going to go back to this organization, which is a large amount for the margins that we have and what we need to sell the product for. And I think that's another misconception. People think like t-shirts are so cheap, but they're not when you're small. They're not when you start off. Your margins are so small. Um, so I invested into this t-shirt company or this this batch of shirts and I sold maybe $800 worth. And I invested thousands and thousands. And it was because our community wanted to carry just our message because, and they wanted to carry just our mission. They like to, it almost cannibalized our brand to bring in another mission and another message on top of our mission and our message cannibalized us. And so that was one, the one thing that I learned that I was like, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. I can feel the pressure of other people to do this certain thing, but I knew my community and I didn't go with my gut. And sometimes it takes spending thousands of dollars to have just, I remember we had those shirts on sale for like 60% off. We couldn't give them away. Like people just didn't want them. They, and it wasn't the design. The design was awesome. I mean, I believe the design was awesome. Our whole staff thought the whole design was awesome. But it, I, I do believe our mission and our message was cannibalized by another mission, another message. So it just became white noise. Another thing that I would love uh, just your take on that I've just been uh, thinking about recently and I would love to hear if this was your experience too, is the relationship between purpose and pain as well. Mm, mm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Purpose and pain. We can find our purpose in pain. And I, I mean, even that, you know, that small circumstance, it was painful to just be hit financially like that, but it showed its purpose. And I now know what our community wants and what they don't want and what I'm willing to say yes to and willing to say no to. But then I also think about my my personal pain. Um, I went through a divorce for four years ago and um, I struggled a lot with even feeling purpose. I felt purposeless in pain. I felt like um, I felt like a failure. I felt like I'm just never going to be able to do the things that I want to do anymore. Um, those thoughts, you know, at the town, there was gossip during my divorce. So, you know, I'm I'm what those people say. I had so much pain, but I wouldn't know truly what the words that you are so worth loving mean if I did not go through a painful time that stripped me of what I've was finding my self-worth and my identity. And I think that's what pain gifts you. It gifts you purpose. It gifts you the awareness that you already had purpose. um, And it brings out, pain detoxes you in so many ways. It cleanses you of the things that you're finding your sense of worth in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what pain 
does give us. It does detox us from from the impurities that we start to believe or the things that we start to pursue. Can you just speak more to, like, how do you love yourself when you're going through pain? Especially, you know, you mentioned your divorce to where, like, sometimes the pain can feel like it's all-encompassing. Like, literally, it is the it is the only thing that you could think about in your life. How do you love yourself well through through that? That is so hard, Caleb. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. And I'm not, I'm not going to give you a florally answer because, man, it's just hard. For me, it was getting out of bed and brushing my teeth. Like, that was the only way I knew how to love myself because I was just so depressed. Like I didn't even want to get out of bed. So for me, my step was get out of bed, take a shower. You haven't taken a shower in a while. Take a shower, brush your teeth. Um, And if that's all you did today, be proud that you did that. Mm -hmm. And I had to tell myself that because I did feel like it was all, like my pain was all consuming. I mean, it was the only thing I thought about. It was the only thing I could um, that just overwhelmed me. It was the only thing I could talk about with friends. I was like that friend, you know, I was that friend that couldn't see even their circumstance. I, I struggled so much with seeing outside of myself. Another thing that helped me was volunteering though, because I, I started non, uh, volunteering for a nonprofit and that helped me because it got me out of my head and out of my circumstance. And even if I volunteered once a month, just to develop stamina. Cause I think sometimes like I was joking with a friend the other day, I just started working out again and I don't work out. And I mean, you know, I don't physically, if you look at me, you're like, she doesn't need to work out. But like my stamina for my heart, for sure I need to. <laughs> and I was just, I mean, six minutes into a workout and I was like feeling like I was going to die. And I had to build, I have to build stamina. And I was, and we were just joking and I was making fun of, I was poking fun of myself. But the truth is, is that it's like you have, it's those little steps in pain that bring you to a result. It's the little steps that bring you to what you want to accomplish. It brings you to a a deeper capacity to sit in somebody else, someone else's pain. It's a deeper capacity to be able to work out longer. Uh, it's, it's developing that stamina and that muscle. And if you've never been in that amount of pain, it's so important to give yourself grace because you don't know what your capacity is until you're faced with it. And you can you can be really mean to yourself and talk really poorly to yourself in those times. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so powerful, and I'd I'd never really thought about how pain does increase our our capacity, our but it does or our stamina, but it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't. <laughs> it feels like you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I think not another, to laugh at yeah. that, but it does feel that way, doesn't it? It's I, just like well, I was gonna say it's one of those things. It's where you laugh because it's like it's true, and there's nothing else to say. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you, if you either laugh, or you cry. That's what my grandma used to always say. If you don't laugh, you cry. <laughs> yep. Uh, one of the things that is so true, I mean, you uh, you talk about it in the book, and it's so apparent throughout the book, and even just in uh, your story, if anyone has ever heard you before, is um, just the theme of honesty whenever it comes to just being completely honest with not only yourself, but even your situation. Can you just talk about the role of honesty and just, just the part that it's played in your story and how it's been so helpful to you? Yes. Well, you know, I've seen So Worth Loving is a true example. Like the community that makes so worth loving is a true example of honesty. It's stories that are willing to 
type out what they've endured. It's individuals that are able to express where they were. I think when you are able, you know, they say um, light casts out darkness. And I've heard that term so many times. And whether it's in scripture or if it's an inspirational quote for you, um, light does cast out darkness. And honesty brings you to light, to lightness, to being able to experience freedom and healing. And so worth loving is made up of individuals that are really honest with where they've been or where they are because they know that by being honest, we know that by being honest, it does bring us to um, healing. It's when we suppress it. It's when we deny it. It's when we um, avoid it. For me, I had to be really honest after my divorce of how I thought about myself, how I thought, like even how I served as a friend, like who, who I am to like who I am and how I can offer myself. Um, those types of thoughts I would tell myself, like, I'm only a good friend if I can do these things. I'm only worthy to be known in my community if I do these things. Like I just started having these agreements. So I had to be honest with myself of what I really thought about myself. And uh, that has brought me to healing, right? Journaling it out. I journal, I mean, I, I joke, but it's true that I have like over 60 journals since I was 12. Uh, so just because you journal something doesn't make what you're writing out true, but it makes what you're writing out become more, it helps you to become more aware of how you see yourself so you can face those things. So honesty is so important because just because we're honest doesn't mean it's true. And I think sometimes we think if we're honest, it means it's true. And and sometimes that is the case. You know, sometimes it's like, I have to be honest. I've been struggling with an addiction of X, Y, and Z, or I have to be honest. I, you know, I take on these types of vices to fill voids. I need to be honest about that. There is so much room in that. But then sometimes it's like, I have to be honest. This is how I feel about myself. I think that I am ugly. I think that I am I am not worthy of friendships. I'm, I don't think that I'm um, ever going to be accepted or received if I'm true, if I truly reveal who I am. Those types of things, they're honest, but that they're not true because you aren't ugly and you, you know, and you aren't not worthy to be known and worthy to be seen. Um, but it's when we're honest with those, those statements that we're able to start to wrestle with why we believe those things. Mm-hmm. How, how did you, or how, uh, have you seen other people like discover what those agreements are, those lies are, because it's just, you know, you, you were alluding to it. They operate under the surface and we're not necessarily aware that they're happening. And so how, how would you suggest that we can go about being proactive in discovering what are the, what are the lies, their agreements that we've believed about ourselves? It's a great question. Uh, from, I'm going to share what works for me and then I'm going to share what I've seen other people do. But I yeah. love why your podcast is called because <laughs> <laughs> we're all learning. Yep. Yep. Um, what, what has worked for me is a really good therapist. I went to a trauma therapist. Divorce is a death. So uh, divorce is trauma. There's trauma and divorce. So it was really important for me to surround myself with a therapist and some really close friends that could help me navigate what I was thinking and how I was feeling. Because when you go through a really hard time, 
uh, whether it's whatever type of trauma, that maybe it's even the awareness of abuse that you had when you were younger or, um, or if it is a divorce or if it's an eating disorder or some form of an addiction, if it's a, a something like a circumstance like that. For me, I needed to know, like, I, I felt like I was swimming down to the sand. I, I was in a tidal wave. It's like, am I swimming down to the sand? Am I swimming up for air? Am I swimming sideways? Am I swimming to the shore? Like, where am I swimming? And so my therapist helped direct me into why I felt like I was swimming down to the sand when I was swimming up for air because everything just felt all over, like just consuming and all encompassing of just a lot of pain. So my therapist helped me put really tactical things in place and and terms in place to remind me that this is what's happening instead of being swallowed up in it and being paralyzed by it. So that, that helped me in regards to a large circumstance. In just our everyday life, like let's just say it's just everyday life, that you're just going through some stuff. Maybe it's job loss. Maybe it's job tension. Maybe it's that coworker that you work with. Maybe it's leading a team and somebody's hitting that trigger button that you just want to like strangle, you know? It's like <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Um, for, for me, what has helped is surrounding myself with a community of women. Uh, I'm just a proponent of small groups, like doing a small group, uh, whether it's a mastermind class, if it's a spiritual formation type thing, if it's a Bible study thing, uh, if it's a, if it's just a well-being small group thing, whatever it is, I'm just a proponent of surrounding myself with women. I can just let my hair down and be like, take my mask off and just share what's going on. And they can help direct me back into uh, what is true and what is real. Because sometimes our feelings feel true and they feel real, but they're not always true. And they're not, they are real because they're what they are at that in that moment, but it's false evidence appearing real. It's what fear is. And so fear and and lies are, are, are these things that want us to believe that, you know, we are something that we aren't. So community is so important and giving that permission to friends to say, you have authority in my life to give me belief when I feel belief, when I lack belief, and you have authority to give me faith when I feel faithless, and you have authority to point me in the right direction when I'm and I'm just down a wrong path. Community has mm-hmm. definitely helped with that. Another thing that I want to ask you about, which I think plays into such a role of loving ourselves that I don't think it's a lot of um, talk about, is the role of grief as well. I mean, you've kind of alluded to it as well with your divorce, but I think it's also true in other areas of life of like, hey, if you're moving forward in your purpose and, uh, you know, you have— well, not necessarily that you want to, but you have to leave some relationships behind either because, hey, they're, they don't agree with you or um, or it's just a season of life thing yeah. to where it, they were great friends for one season, but they're not going to be great friends for the next season. What have you learned just through through all of that and loving yourself and still like grieving those things while loving yourself? Oh, grieving while loving yourself. That's a great, that's it. That should be a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Right, because it's like you're grieving. You could grieve the loss of like, yeah, your career. Like, there's a really good book called "How to Survive the Loss of a Love," and while that book is a relationship book, and it was like written in 1970s, and it's actually like one of the best books for um, recommended by psychologists for you to uh, to learn how to deal with loss. Um, 
But he talks about limbo, like there's different losses. There's apparent losses, there's limbo losses, there's losses that you don't give credit to and all deserve grief, like grieving and mourning. And so, you know, and he talks about in that book how how to grieve in the midst of these different little losses. It's just important to be so compassionate to yourself. And it, when you are compassionate, meaning pay attention to what you say. Like, are you saying, you know, if you were only this and this, or if you're saying, if you know, if you would have done this, or, you know, you should have listened to so-and-so, or, you know, you wouldn't be here if you were like that, or if you were smarter, you know, or if you were better at math, your finances wouldn't look this way. You're never going to be good at math, you know, because those are thoughts I've said to myself because I'm terrible at yeah. math. But those, those types of thoughts um, that you say to yourself, like, it's observing and watching those thoughts in the middle of grieving is how you learn to love yourself. Because when you can show that level of compassion towards yourself and replace them with not just positive thoughts, because I do believe in positive affirmations, but with truthful thoughts, like, okay, you may not be great at math. That's just true. Like I may not be great at math, but that does not make me dumb. That does not make me an idiot. It does not make me mean that I'm going to never be like have a rest, like have a a hold of my finances. Um, so so it's just wrestling with what you're saying, be honest about it, extend compassion to yourself. Because when you do those things, you're able to show up and be present with friends that you've always longed to have. I, I think that's, I've learned to be a better friend because I, the, the reason I attract the friends that I have now is because I've learned to be a better friend to myself. I've learned to have healthy boundaries with myself. I've learned to be truthful with myself. I've learned to sit in the muck with myself. And so I attract that type of friend that would reciprocate that same safe thing. And I think I think that's what creates that safe kind of community I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. What, have, what have you seen gets in the way of us showing compassion to ourselves? Mm. Comparison. Mm. I think my dad always shares with me. Um, he always reminds me, don't look side to side, look forward. Um, and what he meant and what he means by that is we have a tendency to look side to side at like other people's work and what they're like their heart work and their achievements and what they're good at. So we look side to side at both of those, but we lose sight of moving forward and moving forward is you know, where healing is and moving forward is where, um, closure is and where healthy grieving is and, uh, being kind to yourself is moving forward is that we just look side to side at other people's circumstances, whether it's on social media, we look side to side on that. And we don't even realize we're saying these quiet whispers of comparison And that gets in the way of us extending compassion for ourselves. What, uh, I would love to hear, what are some of the the myths that maybe you hear or have seen or experienced in culture as it pertains to self-love? Because, you know, it's not always something that has a positive connotation Mm -hmm. to it. Yes, self-love we see those hashtags because people yeah. tag so we're loving and self-love all the time. And I'm like, I wish you could untag the hashtags. 
because I'm like, that is not self-love. That's not self-love. Self-love is gritty. Self-love is messy. Self-love is not a bubble bath and a face mask. uh, Even though I do those things and I do take care of myself in that way, but that is not the extent of self-love. Self-love, you know, love is to be patient and kind and not easily angered at each other or ourselves. It's um, treating ourselves with respect and a value. That's love. And so when you apply that to yourself, are you patient with yourself? Are you, do you get easily angered at yourself? Are you, um, you know, are you kind and compassionate like we're talking about to yourself? Are you grace giving to yourself? Uh, Asking yourself those questions. Do I, am I treating myself with respect in this circumstance? Mm -hmm. Like, am I treating myself of value if I'm with this guy or if I have this friendship? My, am I showing myself that I am valuable by allowing this to go on? Um, those types, that's self-love. That is, self-love is applying what is really hard. That's being patient, kind, not easily angered, and uh, treating yourselves with respect. Uh, that's what self-love is for, for me and what I've seen in the So Worth Loving community. Yeah, I, I even think about just the role of having healthy expectations for yourself, too. Yeah. Because I think, uh, and you could go off of this, but I think sometimes it's hard to be those things towards ourselves because we we idolize ourselves to where we should be much further ahead than where we really are. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That is so true. Yeah. We do do that, don't we? We, mm-hmm. yeah. Share that. Share a little bit more about that. Like, what made you come to that or find that? Because that's so true. Um, I. I was going to say, I think it's just something that I've just been experiencing recently of like, I, like I'm a very optimistic person. I'm a very like goal oriented person. And so I, I see where things could be, or let me say this. I tell myself, well, that's where things should be. And, and I get so caught up in the ideal that I, I realize that there's such a big gap between where things are and that there's so much that I don't control Mm-hmm. as well. And so that's where I've had to learn to set the the real what well what is realistic in a way that is sustainable and healthy for me because I could get there, but at what yeah. cost? Oh, at what cost? Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, at what cost? He's like, I could, but at the expense of my soul. <laughs> right? Or yeah. myself or like my dignity or like yeah. my integrity. There are things I was talking with a friend about that the other day. I was like You know, I just see people really selling themselves, almost objectifying themselves on social media and not in the objectification of like, like sexually, like objectifying themselves of like their integrity just for the sake of uh, like likes and engagement. And, you know, you can do those things, but at what cost? Like, do you, Mm -hmm. do you want to do that? Like, do you want that for yourself? And not in a, I don't say that in a belittling way, but in a true question, it's like, There are people that do that and they, they own it. And then, and, you know, we go into friendships and relationships where, you know, we desire, we desire, you know, the, we should be, we should be, you know, further along as we should be married by now. So we go into relationships that are not honoring of our hearts or, and we endure that relationship because 
we should, like, it's almost like we should all over ourselves. We should, you know, we should be further along. So we start to slowly allow our values and our, uh, our integrity to be chipped away. Mm -hmm. You had had mentioned it before. Um, but do you have any other thoughts on the relationship between how we love ourselves well and how that translates into loving other people well? You know, I mean, I, I think it's just so, I'll just reiterate. I just think it's so important that we do the work. We do our own personal work. Um, and the moment that we think we don't have any is the moment we are more susceptible to behaviors, vices, and filling voids uh, than we realize. So anybody that's listening that is like, ah, I'm good. I'm I want to encourage you <laughs> that you're more susceptible than you realize. And I can say that because I was that way. I thought I was so susceptible. I was like, oh, I would never, you know, I would say these things. I would never do that. I would never choose that. I can't believe that so-and-so did that. The reason I was saying all of those things is because there were things that were hidden in me that I wasn't facing. And when I started facing them and dealing with stuff and choosing things out of my character, I learned the reason I was so protective and saying never and I will never and absolute statements is because I was so susceptible to them. And now I can be friends and and show compassion and grace for those that are struggling because I've struggled and I've been honest in my struggle. So I just want to reiterate to show up in your own work and uh, to, and I say this kindly, to not be in denial with what you need to face. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really wanted to ask you about is, you know, in your work, you hear, I'm sure, so many stories that just tug at your heartstrings or that, uh, you know, just ev- evoke a ton of emotion, I'm sure. What helps you, like, with just hearing all of those stories and not, like, not taking on or ownership of what they're, what another person is going through? Oh, that's a great question. Therapy, for one, <laughs> help me. <laughs> yeah. Boundaries, I had to develop healthy boundaries because when I first started So Worth Loving, I was like, oh, I have to save everybody. Like I had the savior mentality, which is unhealthy in itself. But I was just like, I have to save everybody. Everybody needs to know they're worthy of love. We got to get everybody into therapy. I've got to figure out, I'm going to wear, like carry this weight. And I just couldn't, and I'm not supposed to. That's why community was so important for us to share people's stories and see community develop. So everybody learned how to gift each other belief and faith and hope and and kindness and was received with just words of of encouragement when people shared courage and showed courage of sharing their story. Um, But, you know, I think, over time I have developed, it's that stamina muscle that we talked about, like developing Mm -hmm. stamina and capacity and that muscle. I am really flexible in enduring stories because I've seen so many of them and I've learned how to healthily carry them. And that's just with releasing them, knowing that I can't, I can't fix anybody and I'm heartbroken for a circumstance and I feel the weight of, I'm an empathetic, I'm a very high empath very high empathic person. Um, 
but I had to, in, and honestly in therapy, learn how to release um, the control of wanting to try to help and save. I had to release that, like surrender that this is not for me to do. This is not for me to help or save. I can I can only do so much and what I'm going to do is going to be enough. And I had to decide what is enough. And for me, enough is to creating and fostering safe community amongst So Worth Loving, providing resources and tools on our platform. We have a, if you go to soworthloving.com slash community, it's a space where you can engage with other people. You can find resources on how to live your life through the lens you're worthy of love with books, podcasts, um, videos to watch. So I'm like, these are the things I can control and I can support. And so that's honestly helped me to balance this desire and this um, weight of wanting to do more and feeling like there's, I'll never be able to do enough. Cause that's, that's what I would feel when I would receive stories. It's like, I can't do I can't do enough. I can't do enough. There's another story that's not, that's another heartbreaking story like my story um, is and was. And especially when I went through my divorce, I just developed an even deeper capacity for rock bottom because I mm-hmm. experienced rock bottom. Uh, but it's, it's identifying, long-winded answer to say, it's identifying what is enough and being confident that that's what you're that what you're choosing and how you show up is enough and continuing to do that 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 creates that that capacity and that stamina. Mm. Any thoughts on listening and loving without judgment as well? Mm. Listening and loving without judgment. I would encourage anybody that has a knee jerk reaction to judge uh, and judge something to judge a circumstance you've never been in. Mm. Ask yourself, why do I have authority to speak into this first? And journal that and like truly wrestle with that. Because we have friends that will make choices that we're like, I can't believe she is doing that, you know, or that dude, he's like, he's going, he's going off his rockers. Like what is happening? You know? And it's like, you want to like speak, like speak at him or you want to speak at her and then you and, and and by speaking at it's creating a a thicker resistance to help them it's just making you feel better cuz you can vocalize what you think and you feel you get it off your chest you know you feel like okay i did my part they now know what to do you know it's like that's what that's not about them it's about you mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to listen is to be like judging free which is really, and there's a healthy judgment. I mean, I will say there's healthy judgment. Um, so, but asking yourself, why do I feel like I have the authority to speak on this? Is it because you have experience? Is it because you are that authoritative fi- figure in their life? Then that makes sense. But if not, ask more questions because more questions creates more listening. And that's, that's the biggest thing. It's like, be curious about your friend. Why is she choosing that? Don't avoid the guy that she's dating right now if you don't agree with it. Ask questions about the guy she's dating, which is really hard to do. And it's it's what's more humbling to do that. It's dying to yourself, <laughs> you know, dying to what you yeah. want to hold on to. Um, if it's like this guy's dating this girl, I just do not agree with it. Don't ignore it. That girl right now is part of his life. So ask the questions and be Try, learn how to be really comfortable with something that's extremely uncomfortable. 
that helps you to listen. That's good. I have one final question before that. Is there anything that um, that we've talked about or that we haven't talked about that it's like, hey, I want to make sure that uh, that you would want to share this? I just want to encourage anybody that's listening. If um, you know, if you are wrestling with whether you're having friends that are kind of judging you and kind of putting you in a shame spiral, I want to encourage you to disrupt the shame spiral and to journal your thoughts, find a good therapist and include like one or two friends that are safe that you can share that shame spiral with and create a healthy boundary between you and and people that are kind of putting you back in that tidal wave. And then I want to encourage the person that struggles with being a good friend that if you struggle with listening to, um, if you struggle with being able to listen to your friends that are going through stuff, ask yourself that question as to why it's a struggle for you to sit with somebody Um, because you're going to learn something about yourself that is just, it might be hard, but it's going to be so life-giving and it's going to help you to become a better friend. And you're going to be able to sit with your friends more than you even realize you could if you kind of face and be honest with some of the things you're going through. Mm -hmm. Last question. If you could pass on something that you've learned within the last year or two and everyone could automatically learn it, what would it be? Ooh. Hmm. I think that if we could all accept that things aren't always going to be what we think they should be, Hmm. I think that we would be able to enjoy our own circumstances more and not project on other people and what we think their circumstance should be. What's helped you become more comfortable with that? My life constantly changing and not being at all what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I was talking with a friend about that the other day because I uh, I'm turning 34, and uh, I said I just didn't think I was going to be where I was. And he said, "What? What does that mean?" And I said, "Well, I just thought I was, my life when I was 24 I looked a lot different than 34, mm. and it was on a different trajectory. And uh, my life and the way that it changed." with my circumstance specifically pertaining to a divorce, uh, that changed, that changed what other people thought about me and it changed and how they treated me. And it changed, uh, how I thought about me and how I thought about relationships. And so, you know, instead of putting this expectation of what life should be, and even COVID, I mean, we've all gone through yeah. a pandemic And whether you believe that it exists or you don't believe it exists, we are still with the uncertainty and things shouldn't be this way. And, you know, or we wish things were more this than that. So we're, we're constantly faced with that. And the pandemic forced everybody to be in that, but all of our friends, all of our community, we face those things on a daily basis. And if only we could, um, learn to sit with each other more instead of should and yeah. expect all over each other. We yeah. could have really fruitful relationships. <laughs> well, I was going to say, and that just goes back to what's been so much in this conversation of just the idea of loving yourself. Well, yeah. well, Aaron, I know that people are going to want to pick up the book and continue to follow your organization. So worth loving and follow you. Where's the best place for people to go to do those things? Yes, you can follow So Worth Loving at So Worth Loving on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and you can go to SoWorthLoving.com. And then you can find me, Erin Eddy, E-R-Y-N-E-D-D-Y, 
on Instagram, on Facebook, and then uh, on Twitter. And my website's erineddy.com, E-R-Y-N-E-D-D-Y. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And thanks for just doing the work to get to the place to where you could share this stuff with us. Oh, Caleb, thank you so much for having me. This was so wonderful. <laughs> I absolutely love that conversation that I got to have with Aaron. It was so, so refreshing and life-giving. I remember just ending uh, the conversation and just like I was saying, just feeling so full of energy for it. And so if you felt the same way, the best way to make sure that you don't miss any episode of the Learner's Quarter podcast is by subscribing or uh, hitting the follow button. If you listen on Spotify, that's where I listen to all of my podcasts right now. Or if you don't listen to Spotify, just go ahead and hit that subscribe button as well. Leave a rating, write a review of the podcast. Uh, Would love to hear from you. If there's something that you would love to learn about more, I would love to hear from you. You can just go ahead and reach out to me on my Instagram handle, which is at Caleb J. Mason. Maybe there's something that that you've been wanting to learn about and you just can't find a forum uh, to learn about that thing. I would love to hear your suggestions. And so uh, my DMs are open. You just go ahead and just let me know about anything that you would want to learn about. And maybe we can work on uh, making that happen and learning from someone who is an expert in that field as well. And so anyway, thanks so much for choosing to listen to the Learner's Corner podcast. Always looking for ways that we can continue to improve the podcast. And not only that, um, but make it more more of a community as well. And so trying to figure some of that stuff out right now. But anyway, I'm so grateful that you've decided to listen to the show today. Uh, thanks so much to Garrett and to Sam for helping make this podcast awesome. Thanks again for Aaron or to Aaron for being on the podcast also. And thank you for listening to the podcast uh, one final time. Uh, just want to say one final thanks. So anyway, thanks for listening so much. My name is Kayla Mason. This is the Learner's Corner Podcast. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.